biblical Christian worldview. Media missionaries where Christianity and culture collide. Welcome to Biblical Christian Worldview. Today we're going to have three topics. The first is Christian socialism in the Bible. The second is the underlying cause of polarization in America. And the third is synonyms for the words liberal and progressive. Where are we headed? So let's get started. Christian Socialism in the Bible. The decision on where we as Christians should stand on socialism in this country is one that will become increasingly important as the Biden administration continues to move forward. The first step in this process is to briefly confirm our understanding of what socialism is. Socialism can be defined as a system or viewpoint where everything, natural resources and all commerce, is ultimately owned by the state rather than private individuals. It's then up to the state how to distribute the gains from these investments. Typically, the methodology for distribution involves an equal sharing of those rewards. This philosophy can be juxtaposed against capitalism, in which everything is controlled through private ownership. Profits accumulating from that ownership remain in the hands of individuals. Up until a few years ago, the term socialism had a stigma associated with it since capitalism was so strongly supported in this country. However, as millennials, educated by liberal teachers and overwhelmed by a liberal press, have moved into decision-making roles, socialism has become socially acceptable. Bernie Sanders confirmed that acceptance during his brief presidential campaign as a successful Democratic frontrunner. So why have we become supportive of socialism? Socialism offers a mechanism for the, quote, redistribution of wealth, unquote, which has as its goal the ability to provide a more equitable community. Socialism has its foundations in the French Revolution of 1789. However, it was Karl Marx writing the Communist Manifesto in 1848 who popularized the term. Marx determined that under capitalism, the wealthy class was oppressing the working class unfairly. By consolidating all wealth and resources through government control, Marx determined that everyone could be equal and work together toward a common good. Over the last 10 to 20 years, as millennials lost a sense of history through poor instruction in our schools, capitalism has been associated with the negative connotations of greed rather than the positive attributes of a strong work ethic. Capitalism has reemerged as a synonym for materialism and unfairness in our society. The solution to this dilemma is socialism, where a paternalistic government provides fair and even-handed benefits to everyone, regardless of their stature. Christian socialism. This changing cultural norm has not only impacted the more liberal elements in society, an increasing number of younger Christians also believe that capitalism creates greed and needs to be replaced. As mentioned in a previous article on biblical Christian worldview, this viewpoint has promoted complacency along with a what's-in-it-for-me attitude. Interestingly, many see Christian socialism in Scripture. The examples uh, would include Acts 4, 32 and 35, 
where the early Christians were distributing all of their wealth communally, um, and also Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. And it's true that we are all called to seek justice, provide food, and other necessities for those less fortunate. However, how that is accomplished must reject the notion of Christian socialism. So I'd like to offer three big principles that puts socialism in perspective and provides a basis for rejecting Christian socialism as a contradiction in terms. Principle one is the concept of being a voluntary. First, there is a difference between forced social equity through the redistribution of wealth and voluntary charity. The Bible does not promote a mandatory redistribution of wealth or state ownership of all property. Scripture speaks to the voluntary, individualized offering of support to those less fortunate as an act of love and compassion. Further, this compassionate response to those in need is predicated on a capitalistic work ethic. Scripture verses that reference that include 1 Thessalonians 3.10, Proverbs 13.4, and Matthew 25.14-30. The second principle involves the fact that we are all equal before God. Socialism, which Karl Marx and Christian socialists promote, believes that a person's worth or identity is tied up exclusively in the work he does and what he has or what he owns. Sadly, our secular society also promotes this belief. However, Scripture does not. That is to say, we are all created in God's image and all have equal worth in his eyes. Our worth comes from who we are in Christ not how much money we make or what job we have. Galatians 3.28, Acts 10.34, and Romans 2.11 support that. And the third and final principle is the reality that generosity cannot be legislated. History shows that any attempt to redistribute resources on an institutionalized basis typically causes a loss of motivation. Mankind is corrupt and sinful. Without a motivation to enrich oneself or one's family, productivity languishes. The second topic on today's podcast is the underlying cause of polarization in America. Regardless of where you stand, right or left, Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative, communist, socialist or capitalist, no one would argue that polarization in this country is not continuing to increase. However, the question is, what is the underlying cause? There are many, many repercussions stemming from this reality of increasing polarization. In fact, uh, the whole um, section of In the News within the Biblical Christian Worldview website is devoted to chronicling that deteriorating trend. Each of those stories represents a snapshot based on a specific event. They offer evidence of the ever-expanding gap in fundamental belief systems. Of course, there have been differences of opinion throughout our history, and the ability of each of us to express those opinions without fear has been a hallmark of our nation. No one would disagree that as a country becomes more polarized, we are losing that freedom. So what's the underlying cause? I would argue that there is an underlying single and profound causal factor for this downward trend. 
we have been a post-Christian nation for some time. However, the trajectory of this trend is accelerated and accelerating, and I would suggest it's correlated with increasing governmental overreach and the loss of personal freedoms. From the point prayer was outlawed from public schools in 1962 to today, God has been pushed more and more out of the acceptable mainstream of our society. Secularism has become the standard in our schools. Those graduating from the system migrated to colleges and universities, or many of them did. Eventually, they entered into the workforce as voting members of society. In short, the deep taproot of our loss of freedoms is directly tied to a failure in the continuance of a biblical Christian worldview within our nation. America is moving at an ever-accelerating pace away from the Christian foundations of individual accountability and moral responsibility on which this country was built. We are moving towards a, quote, woke, unquote, culture that is intolerant and militant concerning any other opinions. Secondly, we have a populace which looks more and more to the government for solutions. Finally, we have a government that is increasingly empowered to acquire the resources necessary to be paternalistic. Speaking in more singular terms, this is a trend from democracy and capitalism towards socialism today and ultimately leading past communism to totalitarianism, which is a one-world government in the future. So what about scripture that illustrates and supports this position? How does the deterioration of a biblical Christian worldview create such a deadly trend? Consider Luke 14, 1 through 6. In this parable, Jesus was responding to the Pharisees regarding what was considered lawful on the Sabbath. Of course, the Pharisees, beginning with the law of Moses, had built a detailed view of what could and could not be done on that day. In their minds, Christ was breaking all the rules. In verse 5, Jesus reminds them that exceptions to the law were made based on compassion and that he had the authority to fulfill the law, a reference to Matthew 5.17. These are greater principles than pharisaical laws deciding if a man should be healed on the Sabbath or if a Samaritan deserved to be helped if he fell into need, such as in Luke 10.25. All the detailed rules which were followed so carefully by the Pharisees were an outflowing of God's principles. However, they were damaged by embellishment and controlled by sinful man. Likewise, compliance with the Levitical laws were forced with a sense of pride, a reference to Matthew 23.5, by the priests and teachers. Pride being the first sin from both Lucifer and Adam <laughs> remains the most prolific sin today. These were rules taught by men not by God, a reference to Matthew fifteen nineteen. From the New Testament, we know that the Old Testament law was fulfilled by Christ, a reference to Matthew five seventeen. He became the law and introduced a new covenant focused on loving God and loving mankind. So what's the application for today? Today we fall into the same trap as the Pharisees and the masses back in Jesus' day. As we lose our Christian roots, our government represented by the Pharisees, is compelled to insert rules into our culture to quote-unquote protect us from ourselves. We were compelled to wear masks during the pandemic, for example, not because the Lord calls us to love our neighbor, but rather under threat of fines. Increasingly, many are blocked or intimidated in voicing their opinions in a public forum. 
Some have lost their Christian sense of moderation, and others have been forced into silence. The woke generation, with government backing, has taken on a role of both judge and jury. Supported by liberal media and social network restrictions, they prevent any opposing opinions based on evolving definitions of racist and inflammatory speech. As we watch the riots and the snatch and grab in cities like Chicago, D.C., Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Seattle, and Kansas City, people remain fearful to make a comment. Additionally, local governments are often unwilling to condemn these behaviors. All fear reprisals from those who are missing a biblical sense of right and wrong. The more America moves away from the Holy Spirit living within Christians, acting as a moral compass, the more our government and the lost take over authority for our lives in order to attempt to manage sin. The problem with that solution is it has never worked. It didn't work in Noah's time. It didn't work with Sodom and Gomorrah. And it will never work. Sin cannot be legislated away. The woke cannot stop sin. They can only aggravate it. Finally, as more in this country reject a supreme authority in the establishment of what is and is not sin, man and his laws have to increasingly step into the void. That is to say, the more man steps into the role of God, the closer we are to the end of time itself. Our third and final podcast topic for today is synonyms for liberal and progressive. Where are we headed? So where are we headed as a nation? One indication is the definition of certain words. To make my point, Google results for synonyms of the words liberal, progressive, and conservative are enlightening. If you run a Google search under the term liberal synonym, the first result that comes up is the word tolerant. The second word is unprejudiced. The third is unbigoted. The words continue in the following order, quote, broad-minded, open-minded, enlightened, forbearing, permissive, free, free and easy, and easygoing. Skipping three unrelated words, they continue unbiased, impartial, nonpartisan, lenient, lax, and finally soft. That's liberal synonyms. If you run a similar Google search for the words progressive synonym, as a noun, the first two words are innovator and reformer. Now, if you run the same search for the words conservative synonym, as a noun, the results are in the following order. Quote, right-winger, reactionary, rightist, diehard, and Tory. And then last but not least, my favorite, Republican. The results above that I just mentioned could stand on their own without further comment. That is to say, every single sector of our great country has been infected by liberal and progressive thought. Our government institutions, our laws, our educational system, Hollywood, and those who run our major enterprises have all been impacted. Perhaps the worst offender of this imbalance is our media, controlled by the very few. This bias is reflected in the search results of synonyms for those words liberal, progressive, and conservative. 
Conservatives have stood idly by and watched, or perhaps they've been mesmerized, by this onslaught of the left-wing agenda. Progressives have taken the long view in imposing their viewpoints throughout every corner of our society. And as I mentioned in a previous podcast, conservatives likely do not have the backbone to reverse that attitude. Our last major attempt was the Tea Party movement from uh, 2009. It primarily focused on fiscal responsibility rather than social conservatism. Boy, has fiscal responsibility taken a beating. The Tea Party was successful in 2010 elections and Republicans won back the House, at which point the movement largely disbanded. One has to go all the way back to 1979 to find a previous movement of conservatives. That was the year Jerry Falwell established the moral majority. This movement did play a significant role in elections during the 80s before finding its own demise. So these two big, well-publicized movements represent the success stories of conservatives. However, all the while, liberals continued to clandestinely press their agenda. As a result, today we are discussing the differences between words like equity versus equality and considering reparations, free advanced education, and open borders. Moreover, the word liberal is now lauded as a good thing. For the first time in the history of this post-Christian nation, 65% of Democrats polled last year by Gallup stated that they had a favorable view, quote-unquote, of socialism. A large part of the problem is that few truly understand or want to understand the impact these liberal views will have on our country going forward. COVID, loss of jobs, social distancing, schools being closed, etc. have resulted in a further increase in the haze of life in this country. That coupled with continuously increasing and unchallenged permissiveness in the areas of crime, legal drugs, sex, etc. has resulted in a general population, both liberals and conservatives, being totally complacent and willing to receive short-term benefits, otherwise known as handouts, in exchange for a work ethic to better themselves and their families. Many conservatives are, quote, asleep at the switch, unquote, as the wheels of big government and big tech continue to roll us toward oblivion. In short, if conservatives do not reestablish a foothold, we are headed off a cliff, and I suspect that it will happen long before climate change has its predicted impact. That's all for this week's podcast. Please check us out at www.bcworldview.org. Media missionaries providing honest reporting and analysis on the intersection of contemporary issues and theology based on a biblical Christian worldview. May God bless you and protect you as you share your faith with a lost and dying world. Biblical Christian Worldview. Media missionaries where Christianity and culture collide.